0: This is Late Night Counsel
1: Ask the pastor about as close to God as you're ever going to get ay uh,
2: yeah, 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 yeah. Alright, so listen, why don't
0: you give me a call When you want to start taking things a little more seriously
1: That's okay, this is really serious
2: John Counsel Ask the pastor That sounds better Yeah, I know
1: John Counsel Ask the pastor Ask the pastor He may have the answer Again, he may not
2: Late Night Counsel
1: Ask the pastor He's got a direct line, folks
2: Open line, open topic. With that, ask the pastor twist. On Wednesday nights, I tighten the screws on my pastor's helmet a little tighter. And whatever you want to talk about, I'm going to give you the biblical perspective on it. Okay, I'm going to give you the, the faith spin on it. And uh, Daniel sent me a pretty interesting question earlier in the day, and I want to get it on right off the top. John, let's say an example, a man has a Catholic and a Protestant friend and they go into a bar. No, 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 I'm only kidding. This man's wife gets into a serious accident. He calls each friend and asks if they could pray for his wife. The Protestant man asks if he would mind if he got a prayer chain going for his wife. The man says, no problem. The Catholic man says no problem and prays to St. Jude, patron saint for the sick, to go to Christ and help the man's wife. Here's my question. Both the Protestant and the Catholic man are having some in- someone intercede to Christ on the woman's behalf. The only difference I could see is that one is dead and in heaven, Saint Jude, and the others are still living on the earth and a prayer chain. So other than that, what's the difference? Yes, I get that the Bible says there's only one mediator between man and God and Father, but how many mediators between man and Jesus? There's no net there's no it's not necessary to have a mediator between man and Jesus. When a when a Protestant calls a prayer chain, he's not any, getting anybody to I mean he's getting people to intercede. But they're all going to Christ together. They're all praying to Christ together. There's agreement there. How do I know if I have agreement with saints? Okay, I can get no confirmation with that. And there's no scripture anywhere where it says we're supposed to pray to saints. Now, if they intercede, that's up to them. I don't know what they do, but there's no biblical instruction anywhere that says we ought to pray to saints for intercession. Now, if you want to pray to saints, great, do whatever you want to do. I'm just telling you, there's no biblical uh, biblical uh, uh, admonition to do that, and I've looked up, you know, the Catholic interpretations of various scriptures. They're not talking about saints; they're talking about angels that do the bidding of God. They talk about, you know, in the Book of Revelation, and it seems prophetic. And in the last days, it's a future event where they bring the prayers to God. Okay, but th- there's no intercession there. There's nobody. There's no uh, uh, instruction to pray to saints. The only person we're supposed to pray to is is Christ Himself. And I know there's some early church fathers that taught that, but they have no biblical basis for that. And if I have to choose between a, to, between scripture and an early church father, well, scripture's going to win that one all the time. Now that's a typically Protestant response, you know. If somebody Catholic that wants to call in and give their side of it, feel free. We have good talks like that all the time. Three four three seven hundred forty three ninety. That's three four three seven hundred forty three ninety in the capital region. And if you're calling from Virgin Arm, Newfoundland, if you're calling from Section, Alabama, if you're calling from Money Creek, Yukon, or Little Hell, Illinois, you really need to li- you really need to listen to the show. one 562 4766 Yeah, I grew up in Little Hell, Illinois. Can you imagine a guy saying that? I'm sure there are people that can say that. one 562 4766 is the long-distance line. And if uh, you want to send me an email, boy, we got emails before you even hit the air tonight. That's not bad. I don't mind that. JC at LateNightCouncil.com. That's JC at LateNightCouncil.com. And uh, Twitter, JWCouncil is the exchange there. Okay? Got one from Terrence here in Richmond. Another email. Seems to imply. I don't know what seems to imply here. He just starts the email off with seems to imply. Seems to imply salvation through good works. What seems to imply? Oh, okay, Ezekiel, he put it in the subject line. Ezekiel thirty three forty four. got to look it up real quick. Ooh, I'm glad I was a, I'm glad I was a, you know what they used to call our, our uh, version of scouts in my uh, uh, denomination that I grew up in, the Pentecost times of Canada? They called it, <laughs> they called it Crusaders. Yeah, they changed it in the, let me see, when did they change it? I think the 90s, you know, because kind of politically incorrect. And one of the things we did in Crusaders was Bible drills. And Bible drills was, you know, like you would have a Bible. And they'd, you'd, they'd call out a scripture. And, you know, the fastest one that, you know, to, to find the scripture and read it out loud, you know, was a uh, uh, teacher's pet for the night. Okay, here it, here it says. Here's the scripture uh, Terence is referring to. And if I say to a wicked person, you will surely die. But then they turn away from their sin and do what is just and right. If they give back what they took and pledge for a loan, return it. What they have stolen, follow the decrees that give life and do no evil, that person will surely live. They will not die. Okay? So, yeah, um, um I would suggest, and Terence says, seems to imply salvation through good works. How can we reconcile this with t- Romans 10 9 and 10? Salvation through faith. Simple, Terence, this is before Christ shed his blood and paid the price for sins. Back then, it was fulfilling the law. Okay? The only way you could know salvation, the only way you had a hope was to fulfill the law. That's why the Old Testament is the law. That's the whole necessity to shed blood of Christ. When Christ sheds his blood and when the, 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 the payment for sin has been paid for in full once and for all, the just shall live by faith. Now, the greatest evidence that that faith is real is, you know, is the works. You can judge the, the quality of somebody's faith by how they live. And I don't want to throw the whole concept of works out, because James is pretty strong on it as well. And I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a, it's a combination of the uh, of the two. And uh, I know that uh, you know if if you could uh, win your salvation through works, there's no purpose of the Christ dying on the cross. And you know that's the greatest event in human history. And he, he also had a question that I didn't get around to. And Terrence, I apologize if you're not listening. I mean, if you're listening, because uh, I, he did send a question, and I never got around to it. It's a really, really good one. It's cool. We're starting to show off tonight with uh, email questions. Pretty cool. Uh, Luke sixteen eight and 9. Here's what he's referring to. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted truly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than the people of light, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Okay, uh, I wouldn't say that was embezzlement at all. That's a word that you use in your email here, Terrence. That's not embezzlement at all. I think that he settled accounts quickly because relationships were much more important than whether he was getting ripped off or not. And Jesus commends him for that. And he even makes the statement that, you know, the people that use, he says, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself. The point of life is not, you know, he who dies with the most toys wins. The point of life is, is, is christ like this. and there were relationships, and there were, he was being threatened. He had to do something quickly. And he was shrewd. It wasn't embezzlement. It was shrewd. That's my opinion. And Terrence, if you don't like the answer... Well, then you send me another email and yell at me or call in and tell me I'm full of it or whatever, you know, but that's the best you're going to get from me on that one tonight. That's cool. Two quick emails right off the top. I like that. 343-700-4390. And two good questions, too. Three good questions. Two emailers. 343 700 4390 562 4766 You want to hear the best perspective on the Olympics, Okay. And I want to kick the show off with this. And I don't care if I go a little bit over time into the commercial break here. Because this is really good. I, I kind of wanted to get a uh, uh, maybe some uh, mood music going here. Okay? And uh, I'm sure you'll uh, recognize the tune uh, when, it's when you hear it playing in the background. The best perspective on the Olympics. Do you remember Eric Liddell? Eric Liddell was the featured figure... In the Oscar-winning, and it won the Oscar for Best Picture, Chariots of Fire, in 1981. Okay? And the whole thing revolved around his, you know, they Hollywoodized it, and they, you know, really, really neutered Christ out of it. How they communicated it was, oh, like his faith. His faith meant more to him than running on Sunday. And he was a fantastic, you know, track star. I mean, they, I don't think they mentioned the word Jesus Christ the entire movie. But that doesn't take away from the fact that Eric Liddell was an incredible human being. Have you ever wondered what happened to the real Eric Liddell? What happened to him? Did he become an MP in England? Did he end up hosting a talk show? Did he marry some kind of pop star and maybe retire to an English countryside in a mansion with all his endorsements? You ever wonder what happened to him? Well, there's a biography that has just come out. On Eric Liddell. I'll give you a little bit of the report on the biography that's on the Christianity Today website today. Chariots of Fire did not tell the most engrossing part of Liddell's remarkable life. And again, I'm titling this little piece, The Best Perspective You'll Ever Hear on the Olympics. Okay? The most engrossing part of Eric Liddell's remarkable life has been given to us by Duncan Hamilton in his new biography. It's called, For the Glory... Eric Liddell's journey from Olympic champion to modern martyr. Hamilton's book spans the full spectrum of the Olympic champion's life, allowing us an extended look at Liddell's work as a missionary in China. I'm not giving you a whole review, just some pertinent stuff that might prod you to call in and give me some comments here on this tonight. For the missionary, there would be no grandstand for, you know, for Eric Liddell. For Eric Liddell, there would be no grandstand for Christ. Liddell lived as a kept man. He taught math and science, having come to China initially as a teacher. He did none of the stunning things we hear about in inspiring chapel sermons on missions and all of the anonymous things that everyday life as a Christian involves. Liddell boiled hot water so it could be used. He played soccer with lonely children. He built shelves for the camp prostitute shunned by Uster, others. All these things and more Liddell did day after day. And then his character, Sean. He was the only man who did not demand favors in return for his service, according to the prostitute. Ours is a postmodern age in which gray areas and anti heroes get the product placement. Ours is a gender-neutral age in which young men may lack any compass for passion and restlessness they find surging within. In the example of Eric Liddell handed down to us by Duncan Hamilton, we get a sense for what a man can become when Christ gets a hold of him. Liddell's life was in no way wasted. His day-to-day faithfulness, his putting others before himself in the image of Christ made a tremendous difference. This was his purpose. The man who had it all before him, a gold medal, a lush Cambridge position, the chance to sample every delight the world spreads out on its poisonous banquet table, gave it all up in order to love others. In return, he was loved by everyone, as one inmate said after Liddell died in February 1945. For the glory Reminds every believer of the upside-down nature of the Christian life. We who do not have the world, who are so steadfastly ignored by the profile writers of the New York Times, so easily crave it. Eric Liddell held the keys to the earthly kingdom in his hand. He did not want them. He died in a Japanese prison camp. And the only reason he was in that prison camp was because of his Christianity. Although the type of Christianity that he practiced was the real kind, the biblical kind. His chosen path involved a race, but there was no slow motion in it. There was no soundtrack behind it. There was no hefty medals to win and no crowds cheering. Early in his life, Liddell saw his Savior walking the Jerusalem way, headed to death. This fleetest of athletes, beloved by his countrymen, left the track and followed his Lord. He moved to a distant, storm-tossed country to spend his days in inglorious toil and continual hardship so that others might know Jesus. It is as simple as this. Liddell gave up the glory of man and embraced the glory of the cross. Could you even imagine a better perspective on the Olympics than that one? I would suggest that's pure gold. Much purer than any gold that's going to be hanging around an athlete's neck. As noble as the pursuit is. As pure as the pursuit is. It is it is minute and insignificant in comparison to the gold that Liddell was pursuing. And he could have had what our world terms it all but he chose something way more eternal, way more powerful. It required way more sacrifice, way more suffering. And yet it impacted, oh, probably because of his story now, millions. Millions. And not just impact them with, wow, that's pretty impressive. People opening up their hearts to the eternal and discovering, discovering the same power of Jesus Christ. I love stories like that. To ask the Pastor on Late Night Council. Open line, open topic. All the way to 11 o'clock. 343 700 4390 in the capital region. Open line, open topic. With the Ask the Pastor twist, of course. 343 700 4390. 1 844 562 4766 is the long distance line. That's one 844 I feel, I feel, I feel a good show coming on tonight. Stay right where we are. Don't no, forget that. Get on the phone and tell somebody, you know, clue into LateNightCouncil.com or get us on TuneIn.com. And join, and join, you know, what you're enjoying right now. Stay with us. Tastes like no one can.
1: The Garlic King.
2: And he can do anything. Who wears a crown,
3: golden shoes, and a royal gown? The Garlic King. So tasty. Man, this food is so good. Don't talk with your mouse food. I'm just talking about the
2: king. And I can dig it. Discover why Really Lebanese is Ottawa's best shawarma. Really Lebanese, home of the Garlic King. St. Joseph Boulevard beside Pizza Hut in Orleans.
3: Garlic, I love it. Summertime is here, and it's time to cool off with your friends at Menchie's Frozen Yogurt. We feature 12 flavors of frozen yogurt daily, with a choice of over 55 delicious toppings to choose from. The combinations are endless. Chill out with our new fresh yogurt fruit smoothies, or be the hero at your next backyard barbecue or birthday celebration when you serve up our exquisite frozen yogurt cake to your family and friends. Visit us at 80 George Street in the Byward Market and 3091 Strandherd Drive in Barhaven.
2: But fix it right the first time. Irwin's out of motion. Thirty-four Cleopatra. Tell him Council sent you. That'll make him smile. Welcome back to Ask the Pastor, 343-700-4390 in the Capital Region, that's 343 4390 and 1-844-LNC is on, or 562-4766, 562 4766 Oh, it's email night tonight, like crazy, wow, here's one from Eric, Pastor John, why hasn't the church and its leadership done more to stop the murder of innocent lives? The killing of the unborn and the selling off of the body parts goes against all the warning of Jesus not to harm children. The importance of our children and their safety should be priority to the church. Perhaps if the church took a more militant stand against abortion, many lives could be saved. You know what? I don't know how they can take an even uh, stronger stand, you know? Perhaps the church has some backbone as measures which an increase and not decrease. Well, I mean, there are some churches that are increasing and there are ones that are decreasing. And in my opinion, the ones that are decreasing are the ones that have compromised. And the ones that, you know, have capitulated and have turned away from, you know, what the Bible teaches Christianity is. But the ones that are growing, at least in North America and around the world, more around the world than North America, but they're still growing in North America, are the ones that take the Bible seriously. And they're living it. They don't just believe it, they're actually loving like Jesus wanted them to love. And Eric, I don't know where you have been But, I mean, some of the most militant uh, 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 battles against abortion and fighting against it, we've been fighting it for 40 years, ever since it became legal in Canada. We have right-to-life marches. Linda Gibson has spent more time in jail battling abortion than she has out of jail in the last 25 years. What do you want us to do, get involved in terrorism? I mean, there were some wackos in the States that were killing abortion doctors. That's not the Christ-like way. That's insanity. What would you suggest as far as militancy concern, is concerned? Because I'm telling you right now, just about everything within the parameters of the law and everything that can be done in a respectful, loving, Christ-like way has been done. And I think we're at the point now where uh, we are deserving judgment in this culture. I don't think the culture wants to wants to hear the truth. They've turned their back on the truth. Eric, read Romans 1. That will tell you where the culture is right now. The culture has turned its back on biblical morality, and according to Romans 1, when a culture does that, God turns them over to a depraved mind. They're not even thinking straight anymore. In fact, the phrase that's used in Romans 1 is, professing to be wise, they became fools. And with some of the legislation and some of the ways we are wasting billions and billions of dollars on programs that are never going to make a a spit-in-a-windstorm difference in anything... I would suggest we are being ruled by fools. And the people that vote them in are even more foolish. And Romans 1's got pretty, you know, that's the biblical perspective on it right there. Another strong biblical perspective on it is in 2 Corinthians. That talks about people who have darkened their souls to the point where God gives them over to spiritual blindness. Pretty provocative stuff. It says the God of this, this, is 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. The God of this age, which the Bible describes as the devil, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. I've never seen more spiritual blindness in my life. I've never seen more moral blindness in my life. I've never seen such foolishness promoted and adhered to by leaders in my life. So, I would suggest maybe you maybe you've missed all the march for lifes that have happened. you know we've we got we've had as many as twenty five to thirty thousand people on Parliament Hill. They're the biggest regular protests here in the nation's capital, but the culture doesn't want to hear it. We live in a democracy where it's mob rule, and the majority is going to get their way and the majority has turned their back on biblical morality and they have embraced they have embraced. Greed—they've imba- I mean, greed is the New Testament word for idolatry. In the Old Testament, it was called idolatry. In the New Testament, it's greed, and whatever you you are craving for, whatever you give your affections for, whatever you spend your time adoring—that's your god. Greed and idolatry go hand in hand together. They're the same word. Once an Old Testament word, once a New Testament word. They're synonymous. In the Old Testament, they sacrificed their children to Ashtaroth and Moloch, and God brought judgment on those nations for doing it. In the New Testament, and in our age, we have young people that sacrifice their uh, their uh, their babies for convenience, for material gain. It's not just the right, it's just not the right time, you know. That's the excuse they use. It's the exact same motivation of in the Old Testament, where the, their purpose of sacrificing their children to Moloch was they thought that they would, that would you know earn them greater prosperity. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. And right on that topic, if you listen to the show, you know I'm a big fan of uh, Dr. Michael Brown, who's got about 250,000 followers on Twitter, does a nationally syndicated talk show. I've heard him speak a number of times. And I joke around a lot. I've heard him drum as well because he's a former rock drummer. Still a very good drummer. But, boy, he puts out some good stuff. And I don't think anybody's been putting out better stuff and commentating more intelligently on the American election than Dr. Michael Brown. And he came up with this thought last week. And and it kind of blew me away. Actually, it's not a full week. It's about a few days old. It's, It's dated August 5th, so it's just a few days old. Now, think of this. Like, the big quandary, at least in the, in the faith community in North America is, you know, like in the States is, uh, you know, uh, Trump is, uh, is going after the evangelical vote. And evangelicals are very, very, and, and, you know, Christians of all stripes, serious Christians of all stripes, Roman Catholic, they're very, very leery of all this guy. Because this guy's got no track record of, you know, uh, uh, faith at all in his life. He's been all about the money. But the faith world is so convinced that that Hillary Clinton is so evil, they're kind of going, okay, I guess this guy's the only alternative. So Michael Brown has put out this idea, what if? And he uses the cosmology and he uses the ways of God. And in the Bible, the pattern is set over and over and over and over again. Often God would allow wicked kings to come to power because he used it as a way to judge his people. Now, he's very clear in the article, you know, he doesn't believe that, you know, that, uh, the, you know, that America are the chosen race or anything like that. But the principles of God invading in history and, you know, uh, uh, orchestrating history, you can't get away from that. That's all through the Bible. I want to give you a little bit of the article here. Because his his theory is, what if? Well, I'll get into it here. He, he explains it better than I do. Many Americans are upset that we are left with Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump as our major party candidates. F- Figures who each have extraordinarily high, unfavorable ratings. Yet on the Democratic side, Hillary has been the expected candidate for some years now, so that is hardly a surprise. But how do we explain the Trump candidacy? He defeated 16 other Republican candidates, including respected governors and senators, some of whom had massive funding behind their campaign. And his campaign was hardly flawless, leaving him open to all kinds of attack that should have brought him down, yet he still defeated a strong, tenacious field, is any of this God's doing? Now, quoting Dr. Michael Brown here, I would love to hear your thoughts and opinions on this, whether you agree or disagree. I continue. As much as there are natural explanations for the ascendancy of Trump, his nationalistic appeal, his outsider appeal, his reality star, TV star appeal, his appeal to our fear and anger, there could well be supernatural explanations as well. Has God, Has God raised up Donald Trump for a specific purpose in history? And then he drops the bomb here, okay? What if Donald Trump was raised up by God to defeat 16 Republican candidates, some, if not most, of which could have readily defeated Hillary Clinton? What if he has raised up Donald Trump not to become president, but to pave the way for a Hillary presidency? And what would it mean if after eight years of President Obama we would then have President H.R. Clinton. To me, the message would be clear. Again, this is Michael Brown. I think it's very interesting. I want to hear your thoughts on it. To me, the message would be very clear. Despite President Obama's radical policies... Policies which have directly, and for the most part, quite negatively, affected our families and our freedoms. The church in America is still largely asleep, still largely oblivious to our nation's steep moral and spiritual decline, still largely unaware of the perilous situation in which we find ourselves in the world today. The bad news is that a Hillary presidency would mean divine judgment on a sleeping church and a sinning nation. The good news is that, with true repentance, that judgment could become a mercy provided that we wake up. That's quite a theory, huh? What do you think? A little more. Obviously, I can only offer these thoughts as spiritual surmisings. Also recognizing that the Lord has no political affiliation. That there is good and bad in each party. And whoever our next president is, that person will be my president, and I will pray for him or her. So what do you think of that theory? Maybe God raised up Donald Trump because he wants Hillary to be the president, and under Hillary's reign judgment is coming on America. Now, I think, you know, we as Canadians, we could probably think a lot more objectively and comment a lot more objectively on that than our American brothers and sisters. And you're free to do that. 343 4390 That's 343 4390 in the Capital Region. It's Late Night Council. Let's ask the pastor tonight. 844 562 4766 That's one eight four four five six two four seven six six. 562 4766 JC at latenightcouncil.com is the email address. We've already had some good ones already. And you can tweet at us at JWCouncil. We have to go to an information interlude. I have to catch my breath, take a sip of water, and come back, come back even more passionate in just a couple of minutes. Stay with us. Oh, this is so much better than a news break, and most news breaks all they have is bad news anyway. Well, you're going to hear some good news, just stay right where you are. But you get a line while I'm catching my breath three four three seven hundred forty three ninety in Eastern Ontario, Western Quebec, or one eight four four five six two four seven six six. That's one eight four four LNC is on. You can email me, JC at late night Keep it under six lines, and you can tweet at us at JW Council. Don't sweat it. I know I gave you those numbers pretty quick. I'm going to give them up before this break is over. Unfiltered, unfettered, uncensored. I have one program director now. God, I don't always follow through on my instructions, right? But he makes it pretty clear what he wants. What do you want? What do you like? What ticks you off? I want to hear from you listener feedback means a lot almost means as much as what the program director wants and don't forget you can download all our shows for podcasts anytime TuneIn.com seems to be the best and easiest way to hook up with us or if you prefer Google Play that seems to work too. LateNightCouncil.com Stay with us Monday and Tuesday, it's news. Often some pretty good guests, too. Wednesday, it's Ask the Pastor. Thursday nights, we repeat the Ask the Pastor broadcast from the night before. And then Friday night, well, we fool around on Friday. We give stuff away. We have fun because that's what you're supposed to do on Friday. And if you miss any of the shows, well, that's what podcasts are for. 343 Seven hundred forty-three ninety. 4390. That's 343 4390. That is the Eastern Ontario and Western Quebec line, the whole capital region. And 1 562 That's long distance. 1 844 562 4766. Of course you can advertise on Late Night Council. In fact, the ad space is quickly getting claimed. Get in now while the rates are still low. Email me at jc at latenightcouncil.com for more details. could listen to that music for another two hours. I know you didn't tune in to listen to music. You wanted to hear riveting deception exposing commentary. So I gotta do my best. And if I'm not doing my best, would you call in and you help me out? (laughs) Or call in and hold me accountable. 343- 700-4390 is Ask the Pastor on Late Night Council. 343- 700-4390, 1-844-562-4766. 700 As you know, if you pay attention to the information interlude, and we'll be updating those periodically, we repeat this broadcast tomorrow night in the Thursday night time slot. I want you to know that is not the long-term plan for Late Night Council. We have plans for Thursday night, and oh, are we excited about them. We're very excited about them. And I think it's going to blow you out of the water when you hear what we got up our sleeve for Thursday nights. We're just waiting for some things to come together. And uh, I will say as much as, you know, like, because Ask the Pastor has always been the highest rated and most listened to show that, you know, I've done here in Ottawa for the last 18 years. So we put the most popular show and that's the one that we we repeat. And, uh, you know, so, so we don't uh, apologize for doing that. But uh, what we got coming is, is oh, it's it's even going to be, it's going to be way better than that. In fact, it could end up being the best show we do of the week once you hear what we're up to. So I'll kind of tease you about that a little bit more until uh, I I can tell you more about it. How's that? JC at LateNightCouncil.com. That's JC at LateNightCouncil.com. And uh, on Twitter, JWCouncil. Let's go to uh, Kevin here on uh, the email. Hello, sir. I was listening about how my age group uses abortion for convenience. I was wondering about any biblical perspective about if a child's birth, it would kill a mother. Is there any reason that would make this acceptable? Or biblically, should the mother always, be, always attempt to have the child? I- I'm going to give you my opinion on that, Kevin, because... Uh, you know like if you if you there are different interpretations of certain scriptures in the Old Testament, for instance, if a woman is uh, if the people are fighting and a pregnant woman is struck and the child dies okay uh the instructions in the Old Testament were you know the person that was uh, that uh, forfeited the life you know the, his life has got to be forfeited that specifically says life for life and I have always believed and and I can't give you strong scriptural backing because there is no strong scriptural backing for either one, okay of whose life gets forfeited, I've always felt that the only, the only time an abortion would be acceptable to God was if the mother's life was definitely threatened. Definitely. Where it's open and shut that the mother's going to die if the baby is born. And my thought behind that is, is the loss of a mother and a family would be more disruptive to, the, to other children in the family, to the husband, to the church community, because I'm looking from the perspective of the body of Christ in a New Testament perspective. I would think that the loss of the mother would be more traumatic and more spiritually uh, difficult for the family than the loss of a child. Now, my wife and I lost our first child. Okay, so I don't speak from somebody is you know that, that hasn't gone through that, and it wasn't a miscarriage. It was our, our baby Rachel, our first daughter, was born on the was died on the due date. My wife delivered our first baby girl dead. She it was a cord accident. Uh, umbilical cord got knotted up, cut off the circulation, and uh, she died on October eighth, nineteen eighty two, and the due date was October eighth, nineteen eighty two. And uh, I mean that was beyond our control. There was nothing we could do. That wasn't an abortion. It, it just it happened. And it's 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 uh, uh, I wouldn't if I had a worst enemy, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. But in my opinion, and, and after doing a lot of thought about this, and I'm not saying Kevin that I'm right. I'm just I'm just telling you where I stand on this issue and why. Okay. And I know a lot of people that love God and are passionate people of faith will tell you they will choose the life of the child over the mother. And there's there's not scriptural support for either position. But in my opinion, it would be more harmful spiritually to a family, to a church body, to a husband, to, you know, lose the baby than, than lose the mother. That's a difficult, difficult question. It's a darn good one, though. I appreciate you sending that in. Thank you. Don't know if the answer satisfies you, but uh, I, I, I can't, uh, with conviction, uh, give any other. 343, three, good questions tonight. Man, best emails we've had. I think, since uh, we've been online. And it, we're only 38 minutes into the program here. 343 If you want to call in in the Capital Region, one 562 4766 Why is it... Bringing up another topic here. Again, I'm usually loaded you know, with stuff. I can't fit all of it into the same two hours. Why is it... And this is a perspective. I'm giving you an opinion here. You want to give me yours? Great. Call in and give it to me. But why does the political left hate drug abusers like they do? Why do they insist on keeping drug abusers good and addicted? Because they're the main proponents of drug addiction perpetuation sites. Oh, John, what's a drug addiction perpetuation site? That sounds like a horrible thing. Well, they call it safe injection site, which is, come on, you know. What, what Orwellian newspeak crap is that? They're drug addiction perpetuation sites. And they've sanitized it and sterilized it and made themselves feel so pompously, you know, elite and moral about it. When there's nothing moral about it at all. Keeping the hooked, keeping the hooked, hooked, instead of getting them free a dynamite article in the National Post today by somebody by the name of Margaret Coppola. I've never heard of Margaret Coppola. Boy, I want to keep an eye out for her because she, did she ever make sense today? I want to share a little of this with you. And what motivates my opinion here is Christian compassion here. What motivates me is how people suffering from addictions are getting ripped off by political correctness. They're getting ripped off Who of people who think they're helping the uh, situation. They're not helping it at all. Give you a little bit of the article here. Even British Columbia devoted to harm reduction protocols, and since 2003, the home of Canada's first injection site, InSight, is worried. According to coroners, service of British Columbia illicit drug overdose deaths have increased from 200 in 2007 to a projected 800 in 2016. You never hear those stats on the CBC. You never hear those stats in the Toronto Star. Perhaps not surprisingly, Vancouver, with its large drug user presence, has one of the highest rates of property crime on the continent. According to the latest Vancouver Police Department Crime Incident Statistics report, this has also increased in 2016 by 24% over the same period in 2015. Adding insult to legal injury, the addict typically takes his ill-gotten gains. Women typically prostitute themselves. And because of an exemption from the provisions of the Controlled Drugs and Substance Act extended to the Insight, to insight by the Supreme Court in 2011, police officers, this is, how, this is how ludicrous it's got, police officers stand aside as he purchases his illegal substance from the local crime syndicate. In turn, the syndicate uses its proceeds to buy guns and even more exotic drugs for addicts to use in the city's supervised injection site. And the police can do nothing because the Supreme Court has given these people an injunction that they're immune to this to prosecution for that. How can the law and our expanding medical industrial drug complex possibly stem a tide that degrades and kills users? Puts public health and safety at risk, compromises the moral authority of our laws, and turns our inner cities into micro-narco-states. Well, at this rate, they can't. And we can be sure that once marijuana is legalized, it will get worse. This is Margaret Kapala talking here. My initial question before I got into this article was, why, do the, why does the left hate drug abusers? Why are they not getting them the help that they deserve? Why are we even talking drug perpetuation addiction sites instead of putting the money into treatment? And education, and she cites she cites a number of countries where they've seen a dramatic decrease in drug abuse, and it's mainly because of uh, uh, you know the, the money's put into you know getting help for these people, drug treatment centers. It's unacceptable that they're addicted. You don't perpetuate the addiction. You open up twenty times as many drug treatment centers, so if anybody's addicted, they could go in there and get off these hellish things before they kill them, before it's too late. If we will not prosecute a war against drugs that, like the war against death and disease, cannot be won, but at least do some good, let us as a society at least preserve the moral and legal coherence of our laws and the integrity of our medical and pharmaceutical communities, which have no integrity at all, if they stand beside, you know, the drug perpetuation sites. And I'm positing tonight that the reason they do that is because they hate the abusers. They want them dead. They don't want them off. They've got partners in mainstream media that make them think that they're just, oh, so progressive and just so caring. Oh, we can't get we can't judge on their behavior. We've gotta help them. You're not helping them. You're slowly killing them. And there's stats all across, the, all across the country to prove it. You may not like Jim Watson, but boy, you better applaud him in this city for taking a stand against drug perpetuation sites. And I raked Charles Bortolo over the coals last night over, you know, uh, the qualifications of a policeman that he hired. But he's to be applauded for his position on drug perpetuation sites. I don't like seeing suffering people deceived. I don't like suffering people having their you know their problems magnified instead of instead of dealt with. All drug perp- drug addiction perpetuation sites are are symbolism over substance. It's the whacked out left you know that have come up with a, a feel good thing that makes them feel like they're helping the world. They're not helping the world at all? Giving people free needles so they can shoot up heroin mixed with fentanyl? You got to be kidding me! Free needles for people that are addicted, okay? And veterans, veterans and seniors, you know, you know how much they gotta pay? The people that don't have proper drug plans, especially if there's complications with, you know, like their insulin that they've got inject or other medications, they don't get no freebies, even people that have served the country risk their lives for them. But if you make a lot of real stupid choices in your life and make a mess of your life, we got a system that encourages it. Unbelievable. That's the pastor on Late Night Council. 343-700-4390 is the number to call. That's 343-700-4390. 1-844-562-4766. Time for some very important messages. And then right back after that. Stay with us.
1: tastes like no
2: one
3: can.
1: The Garlic King.
3: And he can do anything.
2: Who wears a crown, golden
1: shoes, and a royal gown? The Garlic King. So tasty.
3: Man, this food is so good. Don't talk with your mouth full. I'm just talking about the king. And I can
2: dig it. Discover why Really Lebanese is Ottawa's best shawarma. Really Lebanese,
1: home of the Garlic King. St. Joseph Boulevard beside Pizza Hut in Orleans.
3: Garlic, I love it.
1: Timo's 2000 Mobile Auto Cleaning. Comes right to your driveway, makes your vehicle look brand new again. Classic cars, bikes, boats, RVs, dump trucks, hot rods, tractors, transport trucks. We can even make your minivan look like the day you drove it off the lot. Did you spill too much coffee on your seat? Did Junior decide he couldn't wait till he got home? And yuck, maybe you're just long overdue for that meticulous cleaning. Maybe you want to sell the old beast. Smartest thing you can do is make it look brand new again. Timmos 2000, 613 327 613 327 or go to timmos2000.com.
3: Summertime is here. It's time to cool off with your friends at Menchie's Frozen Yogurt. We feature 12 flavors of frozen yogurt daily with a choice of over 55 delicious toppings to choose from. The combinations are endless. Chill out with our new fresh yogurt fruit smoothies or be the hero at your next backyard barbecue or birthday celebration when you serve up our exquisite frozen yogurt cake to your family and friends. Visit us at 80 George Street in the Byward Market and 3091 Stranherd Drive in Barhaven. Menchie's frozen yogurt, we make you smile.
2: Welcome back. You know, we spend a ton of money on you know technology, so you can join us live and phone in. We got Skype happening here. We got something called Call In Studio that handles callers automatically. We got something called Audio Hijack, which filters, makes the sound nice. We're using Skype, something called radio.co. Another program called Nice Cast. Another program called Loopback. All this software, okay? So you can phone in and listen live, you know? And everything's recorded for podcast. And yet, email, that's about as low tech as we go. And, and I mean, I can't remember a show where we've had better emails than we're getting tonight. JC at latenightcouncil.com. All of them are under six lines. All great questions. Maybe we won't have any calls today. Maybe I'm doing, handling emails all night. I don't mind. When the emails are this good, oh, they're really good. Show contributor Mike has just emailed referencing uh, uh, Michael Brown's article. that, and, and if you missed it, Michael Brown has got an article that came out about a few days ago. And he posits the theory. He's not saying it's, it's happening, but he's wondering. He's asking the question, what if God's plan for North America is to get Hillary Clinton elected so he will end up judging America for its sin. Hmm. Interesting. And Mike, referring to that, writes this. Does God have political affiliations? No. But do political affiliations line up with God's word? That's a good question. That's very good. Let me read that again. Does God have political affiliations? No. But do political affiliations line up with God's word? That's the real question. Did God have a preference between Pharaoh and Moses? Christ and his disciples or the Pharisees in Rome good and evil sin and righteousness we all sin but isn't it also true some are repentant and reverent while others are not that's a that's a freaking good email I just used a Christian swear word there sorry for the you know the more sensitive of hearing there but I could have used another word and then boy you really would have got mad but I wouldn't do that We all sin, but isn't it also true? Some are repentant and reverent, while others are not. That's a powerful statement there. And I think that's a valid, valid comment on what's going on in the election down in the States and what went on in our election here in Canada. Mary has written, we are on the verge of, on the same subject, we are on the verge of getting ours unvetted refugees, 25,000? More, when Clinton speaks, the word she uses equals Trudeau's speeches. Almost word for word. He used Obama's campaign manager. So same playbook. If Clinton gets in, we are doomed. U.S. government has been infiltrated by Muslim brotherhood. Here it's the same thing. Well, that's a political spin on it. Hard to disagree, Mary. I happen to agree with you, but, you know, that's what good talk radio is, the expression of opinions, and I appreciate you emailing me. And then Eric writes back, perhaps, Pastor John, if jails were filled with protesters, governments and society would see the light. I don't think so. He's referring that, you know, we're not doing enough to fight abortion. We have abortion on demand, Eric, because the majority of our culture wants it. Okay? So the only way you're going to get that changed is to influence the culture and, and get them to the place where they see the evil in it. And they're fed up and they say, you know, we don't want this anymore. Stephen Harper got away with seven, eight years in power. He didn't do a thing to put any abortion laws in place. There's only three countries in the world that have absolutely no abortion laws. Red China, North Korea, and Canada. Every other country has got some type of restriction on abortion. There's only three countries in the world where it's widespread. No no laws at all. And Stephen Harper, okay, and, and, you know, I think the guy's a capitulator. I think he bows to the whim of political expediency. I don't think he's, and and I've gone on record as saying, and again, it's opinion. I'd reserve the right to be wrong. I think Stephen Harper is the best prime minister we've had in my lifetime, which doesn't say hardly anything, because the rest of the guys have been losers. They've been pathetic. Some of the most... Inept Looney Tune leaders, I think that the world has ever seen, at least in my lifetime. So when I say that I think Stephen Harper's Harper's the best prime minister that we've had in Canada in my lifetime, that's not saying much. Okay, don't make that. Don't interpret me as oh he counsels a, a, a Stephen Harper fan. No, I'm a Jesus fan. Okay, I know what real leadership is. But this culture has gotten so depraved and gotten so away from moral absolutes and the difference and knowing the difference between right or wrong, I don't think that Canadian culture would recognize a good leader even if we had one. I don't think Abraham Lincoln could get elected dog catcher in North America. Forget it. We have become so shallow that we become the easiest to fool people in the free world now. And our values, and what we demand from our no, what we don't demand from our leaders, and what we expect them to be, we're far more interested in a pretty face and a guy who takes nice selfies than somebody who knows how to manage an economy and understands, you know, where the culture's going. If you degrade the family and you degrade morality to the place where the only way you'll be able to afford to do anything is to is to go to a a, a socialistic system where nobody's making getting ahead, and nobody you can't trust individuals anymore. So you take away their freedoms. You take away their freedom to own property. You take away their freedom uh, of expression. You take away everything. Because their individuality has led to so much waste and led to so much, really, immorality that the state steps in and says, you know what, we're going to have absolute anarchy. And people willingly give up freedoms for the sake of putting bread on the table. We spend more of our incomes and taxes on social programs in Ontario now than, than we get to take home. And nobody even complains. And how do we reward those people that waste our money? We elect them in again. And the abortion thing is just an indicative of a sick culture that's in bad, bad, bad need of spiritual revolution. So filling up the jails, you know, with more people that are protesting, that's not going to change a thing. I mean, the greatest democracy we've ever seen in civilization has been in the United States. And when they built the foundations for democracy in the United States all of them were aware that you know what without a without a judeo christian spiritual foundation democracy is going to fall apart and the founding fathers of the states wrote very very specifically and eloquently on that topic but most universities and most academic institutions across north america have filtered out the spiritual Historical foundations to the point where you know they painted these these people that founded both of our countries, United States and Canada, as you know, uh, uh, guys that wanted to uh, uh, find some found some type of socialistic, secular uh, uh, mishmash, multicultural nonsense that they said nothing of in their diaries. If you read their diaries and their passions and what these guys were all about, they were devoted. They were devoted scholars of the Bible and they realized that the only way that democracy could work would be to have the moral absolutes of the bible you know democracy built on that and we've deviated from that and that's why we've got basically moral anarchy where we can't even we can't even we can't even discern you know what what is a, an acceptable marriage anymore i'm going to do another article in the second hour michael brown has written an article and he makes this he makes a statement hey listen if an adult son is in love with his adult mother who are we to say they shouldn't get married? I mean, we've crossed that line in morality where you know we're no longer governed by moral absolutes because they're just so archaic and they're just so old and you know and even though they've been the foundation of civilization for the last five, ten thousand years, somehow this you know this uh, uh, this new morality that is forced upon us, and boy, you better accept it, or we will make sure that your life is a living hell. Nobody's weighed the long term consequences of them at all. At all. Going to get to that in the second hour. You might have some comments on that. 343 That's 343 700 1 562 4766. 6. That's 1-844-562-4766. 4, 4, 4, 6, 6. And the emails have been terrific tonight. JC at latenightcouncil.com. Keep them coming. They're under six lines. You're doing really well. There's no limit on emails and tweets. I mean, you can only have one call per show, but emails and tweets, hey, look at if you got six or seven, and they're doing real well and they're getting, you know, red on the air, more power to you. JC at late And JW Council is the Twitter handle. Got to do one of our, uh, got to do one of our information interludes. You grab a line while we're doing that. I gotta catch my breath. I gotta reload. I gotta make sure the second hour is even better than the first hour. Get a line while you're waiting. Right back in a few. Stay with us. so much better than a news break and most news breaks all they have is bad news anyway well you're going to hear some good news just stay right where you are but you get a line while I'm catching my breath 343-700-4390 in eastern Ontario western Quebec or one 562 4766 that's one lnc is on you can email me jc at late night keep it under six lines and you can tweet at us at JW Council. Don't sweat it. I know I gave you those numbers pretty quick. I'm going to give them up before this break is over. Unfiltered, unfettered, uncensored. I have one program director now. God, I don't always follow through on my instructions, right? But he makes it pretty clear what he wants. What do you want? What do you like? What ticks you off? I want to hear from you listener feedback means a lot almost means as much as what the program director wants and don't forget you can download all our shows for podcasts anytime TuneIn.com seems to be the best and easiest way to hook up with us or if you prefer Google Play that seems to work too. LateNightCouncil.com Stay with us Monday and Tuesday, it's news. Often some pretty good guests, too. Wednesday, it's Ask the Pastor. Thursday nights, we repeat the Ask the Pastor broadcast from the night before. And then Friday night, well, we fool around on Friday. We give stuff away. We have fun because that's what you're supposed to do on Friday. And if you miss any of the shows, well, that's what podcasts are for. 343 700-4390. 700-4390. That's 343-700-4390. That is the Eastern Ontario and Western Quebec line, the whole capital region. And one 562 That's long distance. one 844 562 Of course you can advertise on Late Night Council. In fact, the ad space is quickly getting claimed. Get in now while the rates are still low. Email me at jc at latenightcouncil.com for more details.
3: Talking about
0: this train, train. I tell you, this train is a holy train. This train is a
1: holy train. This train is a holy train. Only when you ride, right, you've got to be the same. Said, oh, this
2: train. Have you noticed we've updated the tunes for the show? Well, for Ask the Pastor. We're always working on it, folks, always updating it, always trying to make it a little better. And, of course, like the information interlude says, you know, Lister feedback means a lot. Debuted a new late-night council theme last night. Reception was mixed on the poll that we did on Twitter, although, you know, not a lot of you were voting on it, but I think we're going to run with it. Maybe we'll tweak it a little bit and work on it, but I'm really liking it can't use back in black anymore because i'm back i've been back for three months now okay we're in the group we're doing this okay we're not going away and we realize doing online broadcasting is going to take a while before you know we're up and running to doing all the things we want to do but the trajectory is is right on time and we are quite satisfied no more than satisfied with the progress we've made the last three months And our, our uh, agenda to conquer the world is right on schedule. Three four three seven hundred forty three ninety. It's ask the pastor on late night council in the capital region. Three four three seven hundred forty three ninety. One eight four four five six two four seven six six is the long distance line. That's one eight four four five six two four seven six six. Most of the first hour is loaded with really really good emails. Are there oh. any more out there? I don't know. Find out when you send them in, JC at com. I would say we've had a higher percentage of accepting emails tonight as, you know, compared to what we reject. We've had a higher percentage of accepted emails tonight than I can ever remember. It just seems that everybody's writing in is doing well, well enough to get on air. Maybe we're not going to have any in the second hour. I don't know, but the first hour is really good. Just an encouragement to you. I did mention Michael Brown's article that he wrote on, you know, the scenario of a of an adult son that's in love with his mother and who are we to say that that you know shouldn't be allowed I want to get to that in a second but um this was in this was in the email uh, uh, this was in the uh, uh, the national post today caught my attention and i don't know why the concept of lottery winners and lotteries fascinate me it's been a topic that i've studied and researched for for oh years and years and years maybe it's because that's one of my weaknesses okay i don't know if i've ever shared with you on air i had a real and some of you are going to hear this story and you're like i ah, counsel you know and i've counseled people with gambling addictions where they've lost everything the marriage is broken up they've gone bankrupt and and often too when I was pastoring in Manitoba, that, that was, I mean, it was like epidemic out there. I did more counseling for, you know, people that were addicted to gambling in Manitoba in the eight years that I was there than, you know, the other, let me do the math now, like 27, 28 years I've been pastoring in other, you know, like territories. Like gut-wrenching, you know, horrible stories. So when I tell you my, my tale of, of well to me it was gambling addiction i mean you be the judge okay and it's not a big secret i've shared this with people because as an illustration of how gambling can get a hold of you remember oh it would've been in the 80s 711 gas bars in ontario when you filled up and filled your car with more than 25 liters of gas you would get a free wintario ticket remember wintario I think the biggest jackpot in Wintari was $100,000 back then. And, uh, you know, there was other prizes, 10000 whatever. And so me being raised, you know, in a legalistic uh, uh, um, um, religious Christian household, you know, uh, uh, We were taught gambling was a sin, and it's not a sin, okay? I mean, gambling is not a sin. And I have argued with, you know, uh, 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 scriptural experts who try to convince me it is, and it's not. There's no scriptural support. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. That's where the sin is. It's the love of money. Gambling is not a sin, and please don't interpret that as me sanctioning gambling. It's a horrible thing that destroys families, and it destroys lives. But I want to relate to you a personal experience, okay? They used to give away Winterio tickets for 25 liters of gas filled up. Now, me being raised in the legalistic background I was raised in, I justified in my mind, well, if I'm filling up with 25 liters, I'm getting a free Winterio ticket. That's not gambling. Because I'm not spending any money. So I was meticulous with my fill-ups. As soon as I knew I had room for 25 liters, boy, I'd be filling up my, you know, Aries K car, my Chrysler Cordoba, my Chevy Eurosport, my Ford Taurus. Yeah, I went through a lot of cars in the 80s. I mean, I lived in Windsor and St. Catharines most of the time, and Windsor's the motor city of Canada, and St. Catharines, when we lived there, like 5,000 people in the city worked at GM, Okay. So I always supported the local economy because most of the guys in my church and women in my church, they worked at those places. So I was very, very careful that as soon as there was room for 25 liters, I was at 7 of them filling up. And if you remember back then, when tarot used to have these scratch-and-win things on them. And you could win a free ticket. You could win $2. You could win $5 with these scratch-and-wins. So I would get these Winterio tickets, and often I would scratch it. I'd get another ticket. When well, you get another ticket, you get scratched. I remember one draw. Now listen, this is how crazy it got. I remember winning so many scratch and win tickets that I had 27 tickets for a draw, and I hadn't paid for any of them. They were all free because of, you know, me timing the whole 7-Eleven thing. I was getting these free tickets all the time. Now, some of you might be listening saying, well, what's your problem? That's not gambling. Oh, yes, it was. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. It was wrong for me. And I got convicted of it, okay? And I had to get to the place where I had to renounce it, okay? The way that played on my mind was unbelievable. And maybe I'm too immature to handle it, okay? Maybe I've got an addictive personality, Yeah, if you saw my Hot Wheels collection, you definitely think, yeah, counsel, you have an issue here. You have a problem. I think I do have an addictive personality. I think it's a pretty good thing when you know your own weaknesses. I've got an addictive personality. I could get addicted to things real quick if I didn't have a wife that kicked my butt and a fantastic church and a lot of people that hold me accountable, okay? In fact, the Bible says, confess your faults one to another that you might be healed. So I have no problem confessing my faults because... That's where you get healing. That's where you get security. That's where you get accountability. That's what that's what spiritual health is. So I don't mind telling these stories. That thing played in my mind, I'll tell you, mo- almost every waking day I was thinking, well, what am I gonna do if I win hundred thousand bucks? And I would go into this whole fantasy world. And in the book of Proverbs, it says, and it says in more than one case, okay, it says he who he who lacks uh uh, uh, uh he who chases fantasies lacks judgment. I want to get the actual uh a uh, quote here, okay? It's in Proverbs uh, 12 and 11 and 28 and 19. It's in two places. The first one says, he who works his land will have abundant food, but he who chases fantasies lacks judgment. That's what lottery tickets is. That's what gambling is. That's what I was doing. You're chasing fantasies. I can't say that about everybody that gambles, but for me, that's the way it was. And for the people that I know that have destroyed their lives through gambling, that was their issue as well. They were chasing fantasies. The biblical way is to work your land and to be faithful, okay? Now, Proverbs twenty-eight nineteen says, he who works his land will have abundant food, but he who chases fantasies will have his fill of poverty. So one says lacks judgment, the other says you're going to have your fill of po- poverty. has a very dim view on chasing fantasies like that. And I had to get that out of my system, even though technically I was not gambling, in my heart I was. And it was having that it was having an ill effect on me. Now, all that to say this, came across this article in the national post I, I and and because of how it affected me and how I know that there are certain triggers that boy, if I let that go, I could go nuts down that area. I don't step into casinos. I remember uh, uh when I was with the last radio station back when you know they treated their employees wonderfully and and we used to have parties and stuff like that and bonuses and things like that back 10, 15 years ago before, you know, the big corporate company came in and, you know, profits were 10 times more important than personnel. I remember one of our staff parties where they took us to the Rio Carlton racetrack and they each gave gave us uh, uh, 10 bucks worth of tokens. Okay, so what am I going to do? Technically, this is gambling, but I know what my weakness is. Well, of course, I gave them to somebody. (laughs) You know, here, have fun, you know. Well, what if they What if you contribute to their gift? I don't know. That's between them and God. I, you know, for all I know, they don't have an issue. And it was a nice way for me to be generous. And maybe it's because I have a weakness this way. Whenever I hear stories like this that I found in posts, I'm fascinated by this because I don't want people to be bound by this. I mean, it's it's you know, it's it's a promise that never delivers. The headline says lottery curse can disrupt lives, riches to rags. You maybe you saw this or articles like it. News that what's the guy's name here? Daniel Carley. And he's from St. Catharines, you know, so that kind of got my attention too. News that Daniel Carley, 35, was sentenced last week to two and a half years in prison after pleading guilty to dealing crack in association with outlaw motorcycle gangs, has offered the latest example of the lottery curse. A familiar story in which a jackpot destabilizes the lives of winners and leaves them worse off than before. This guy won five million bucks ten years ago. Five million bucks! And he blew through it like lightning. To the point where ten years later, he's selling crack and going to prison. By some estimates, two-thirds of lottery winners are broke within seven years. Wow, basically, and I'm reading the article, here, basically, money tends to disrupt your life, and the more you let it change you, the worse you become. Money also changes people's outlook on those close to them, according to H. Roy Kaplan, a sociologist at the University of South Florida, who has surveyed hundreds of winners. I mean, I, I watch that show and I never watch reality show, but because reality shows, but because it's it's on lottery things, I, I'm kind of intrigued by it. How the lottery changed my life. And I watched a couple episodes, and every one of them is all oh, just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, well the people that are born the people that blow through it like crazy and you know waste, they never get on those shows. You know? Those cautionary tales, they don't keep the they don't keep the wheels spinning. They don't keep the economy going and people, you know, buying the lottery tickets. Those stories of how the lottery changed your life, that's good for business, boy. And they get all the hype and, and, and everybody gets to see those stories. Edward Udgel, author of Money for Nothing, One Man's Journey Through the Dark Side of Lottery Millions, has said that of the thousands of winners he interviewed, a few were happy, but you would be blown away to say how many winners wish they'd never won. And he says the majority. The majority of lottery winners say years later, I wish we'd never won. The majority. Now you've heard me quote that, I'm sure if you've got got any spiritual side to it, you've heard that famous scripture that's quoted, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not money, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And I often quote the second part of that verse because nobody ever quotes the second part. The second part goes like this, some people, eager for money, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Boy, I've seen that firsthand. I have really really seen that firsthand. Now there is another story and I remember reading it in the National Post about 15 years ago. And it caught my attention because we had just moved from Manitoba and it was about a community in Saskatchewan that was very close to the, you know, to western Manitoba. It was on like the eastern side of Saskatchewan and and, and uh, I have told this story before. It is my f- it's my, well, it's not my, you know what? I may tell my favorite lottery story too, okay? We'll see what happens, okay? Uh, of 343 That's 343 We got to pay some bills, though. Important message time. 343 It's open line, open topic, all the way to 11 o'clock. 1 That's 1 844 JC at That's the email address. Keep it under six lines and JW counsels the Twitter exchange stay with us
1: Man, make shawarma taste like no one can. The Garlic King. And he can
2: do anything. wears a crown, golden shoes, and a royal gown? The Garlic King. So tasty. Man, this food is so good.
3: Don't talk with your mouse food. I'm just talking about the king. And I can
2: dig it. Discover why Really Lebanese is Ottawa's best shawarma. Really Lebanese, home of the Garlic King. St. Joseph Boulevard beside Pizza Hut in Orleans.
3: Garlic, I love it. Summertime is here, and it's time to cool off with your friends at Menchie's Frozen Yogurt. We feature 12 flavors of frozen yogurt daily, with a choice of over 55 delicious toppings to choose from. The combinations are endless. Chill out with our new fresh yogurt fruit smoothies, or be the hero at your next backyard barbecue or birthday celebration when you serve up our exquisite frozen yogurt cake to your family and friends. Visit us at 80 George Street in the Byward Market and 3091 Strandherd Drive in Barhaven. Menchi's frozen yogurt, we make you smile. Timmo's 2000 Mobile Auto Cleaning
1: comes right to your driveway and makes your vehicle look brand new again. Classic cars, bikes, boats, RVs, dump trucks, hot rods, tractors, transport trucks. We can even make your minivan look like the day you drove it off the lot. Did you spill too much coffee on your seat? Did Junior decide he couldn't wait till he got home? And yuck. Maybe you're just long overdue for that meticulous cleaning. Maybe you want to sell the old beast. Smartest thing you can do is make it look brand new again. Timmo's 2000 613 327 8498. 613 327 8498. Or go to timmo's2000.com.
2: Yeah, I'm ready for a minute, girl. I'm ready for a phone call, too. Uh, 343-700-4390. 343-700-4390. And uh, 1-844-562-4766. That's the pastor on Late Night Council. Are you ready for another cautionary lottery story? National Post carried this story about, oh, it would be about 15 years ago now. And uh, some stories stick in your mind. And it was a story about a guy... Who had won five million dollars in uh, six four nine, and he lived in a, a small town. It may, it may not have been Weyburn, Saskatchewan, or Estevan, but one of those small towns that is, uh, you know, about five six thousand, where everybody knows everybody. Okay, and this guy was a jerk, you know. And they were doing the story on he had just won. Uh, he had won five million dollars, and and every they interviewed people in the town. And the unanimous feeling was of all the guys that didn't deserve it, of all the guys where everybody heard that he won it, and they rolled their eyes, they all said, oh, brother, here we go, okay? Guy wins $5 bucks. He had spent fifty grand the first week, him and a bunch of buddies. He got a bunch of his buddies. They rented a limo. And the limo took them all the way to Edmonton because he was an Edmonton Oilers fan. And they spent, uh, you know, uh, 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 the weekend in in one of the most expensive hotels, drinking and and you know, going getting the most expensive tickets to the hockey game. Fifty grand just at that weekend. Okay. The guy bought the guy bought a Viper for himself, and then bought a Viper for his friend, and bought a house, and bought cars. Okay. And um, it turned out that he had fathered a child. Uh, that he didn't even know about, and the girl who knew him found out about it and got child support out of him. Okay, the kid was now about two years old, so she got an agreement where she got a, a lump, a lot of money, a huge monthly commitment. she apparently she had a good lawyer, and she got oh I don't I don't know what the exact figures were, but it was something like you know fifteen to twenty thousand bucks a month. You know he had to pay her in child support until the kid was eighteen. You know, just an outrageous amount. And the article now, now, you you have obviously if you've if you've heard of lottery stories, you've heard of this type of thing happening. Okay, uh, rags to riches, back to rags again. But what? But what was unique about this? This guy was just about to go bankrupt. Just about to go bankrupt. You're not going to believe this. When he won the lottery again, okay. Now, it wasn't five million this time, it was the second prize on 649. And this time, and it's variable the second prize, the second he had won 560 grand just about to go bankrupt, and the guy wins again, and that's when. You know, the, the people, that's why it caught national attention, because the, the news media were there, and they are interviewing, well, what have you learned from, you know, all the mistakes you made? And, you know, he's going, well, I've learned, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I don't know what's happened to the guy since then. But everybody in the town, finding out the guy wins, they roll their eyes, they're thinking, oh, no, of all the guys that don't deserve it, And then he wins again! Can you imagine the town? Well, that's not my favorite lottery story. My favorite lottery story... And uh, those of you that are big fans of the show and and have been listening for a long time, chances are there's a few of you that have heard me share this story before because it is unbelievable. And if it didn't come from a credible source, and I'm going to name the church, and I'm going to name names so you know it actually happened. This is the most unbelievable lottery story I've ever heard in my life. Okay? Comes from uh, the Alliance Church. I think it's, it's the Alliance... Christian Missionary Alliance Church that Stephen Harper attends in his home riding, okay? The district superintendent of the Christian Missionary Alliance in Alberta is a guy by the name of Wayne Bolt. Well, he was, okay? He was a a former district superintendent. Wayne Bolt and I pastored when we were in Brandon together. He pastored the Alliance Church. I pastored the Pentecostal Church. We're good friends, okay? Got together for meals and everything. I had coffee together all the time. Loved the guy. Wayne told me this story and when it happened, it was when he was telling the story, that story had happened about a year before. And the pastor of that church that Stephen Harper went to in Calgary, he was a hockey dad, okay? And his boys played hockey. And if you know anything about hockey parents, they're always going to tournaments, they're always renting hotels, they're partying together, they live their lives together, they spend a lot of time in the stands, they share their lives together. And there was this kind of click that they, there's about, you know, oh, eight to 12 couples, That, you know, hung out all the time and they became good friends. And there was one hockey parent who was a total practical joker. He was always doing practical jokes on all the other couples and the kids. And he was a fun guy. Okay, he was a fun guy. But he would get, he would irritate people sometimes. People expected, they kind of watched their tail that, you know, what kind of practical joke was he going to do. And remember, these, these families... They're hanging together, more or less, the same core eight, nine families. Their boys are playing hockey through the system. They're together three or four years. After they're together about three or four years, one of the couples gets the idea, hey, his birthday's coming up. Let's get him. Okay? So this is what they did. And everybody was in on this. What they did was they taped the 649 broadcast off the television used to be televised okay where you know the numbers would come down and they make a big thing about it they taped it this would have been in the mid 90s okay they taped the broadcast of the 649 telecast okay and they went out and they announced the winner on this broadcast they went out and they bought a ticket a lottery ticket with the same numbers as the previous week's winnings for the upcoming draw do you get where i'm going with this so the Saturday night party, they got it all rigged up. Everybody's in on it, okay? And they assumed, because of the hype and the surprise and everything, that the guy wouldn't notice the date and he wouldn't question what was on the TV because they, they had it all set up, okay? Okay. They got him gifts. It was a surprise party, and remember six four nine. This is in Calgary, so it comes on two hours earlier. I believe it came on at nine o'clock, so the kids would have still been up and everything. Okay, there would have been about thirty people in the house. The pastor was there, saw it happen, and uh, they they open up the gifts about eight thirty eight forty five. And one of the one of the prizes is an innocuous card with a six four nine lottery ticket in it for that night's draw. Okay, so. At, at, at In an offhand way, at 9 o'clock, somebody says, hey, you got a lottery ticket, right? Yeah, well, let's put the broadcast on, okay? And it wasn't his home. It was somebody else's home. So he didn't have control of the TV, but the people that did had it all set up perfectly. So they throw the thing on, and he's not even paying attention, okay, because he's having fun, you know, and doing the stuff. And 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 the lottery comes up, and they say, well, you got your ticket? Yeah, I got your ticket, okay? So he's sitting there watching the broadcast, and he's watching the numbers come down. He's got the ticket. He's not really paying attention until the first one or two numbers come down. First number comes down. So what's going on? I don't know. I got to check. I got A uh, uh, second number comes Come on, get the ticket. Okay, I'm looking at the ticket. Now he's like, hey, two, two numbers, okay? And the third number comes down, and he's getting more serious. And he says, Shh, quiet, 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 quiet. The fourth number comes down. He's not noticing the date at all, okay? All he sees is the numbers, and he looks at the ticket, okay? So all these numbers come down. It's $5 million bucks, and he is going as white as a ghost, okay? And while the fourth or fifth number comes down, people say, what, what, what? what? Shut up, shut up, shut up, you know? He's not saying anything. He's looking at the ticket, Okay. And some people are trying to hold back the laughter because they know what's coming, okay? The last number comes down. He looks at the ticket, looks at the TV, looks at the ticket, looks at the TV. And somebody says, what? And this is what he does. This, again, this is true. This happened. He turns to his wife, and he says to his wife, I've been sleeping with your sister. I'm leaving you, and I'm moving in with her. Can you imagine? I would suggest the silence in that room was probably quieter than what it is in your car right now or in your home. Now, why tell that story? Well, the pastor used that as an illustration of what type of priorities people have in relationships nowadays compared to a couple. He was preaching on marriage that morning. And there was a couple in his church where the husband was dying of cancer. He had four or five months to live, and their 25th anniversary was coming up. And they said to the pastor, we want to renew our vows before we die, before I die. Our 25th anniversary is coming up, and he thought it was a wonderful thing, and he opened it up to the whole church for anybody that wanted to renew their vows in the church. And that was one of the stories that he told to contrast what real love and real marriage was all about. Pretty wild, eh? Can't make up a story like that. Man, why? 343 700 4390. Gotta take a break, then we're back. Stay with us. is so much better than a news break and most news breaks all they have is bad news anyway well you're going to hear some good news just stay right where you are but you get a line while i'm catching my breath 343-700-4390 in eastern ontario western quebec or 1-844-562-4766 that's 1-844-lnc is on you can email me jc at late night keep it under six lines and you can tweet at us at JW Council. Don't sweat it. I know you gave you those numbers pretty quick. I'm going to give them up before this break is over. Unfiltered, unfettered, uncensored. I have one program director now. God, I don't always follow through on my instructions, right? But he makes it pretty clear what he wants. What do you want? What do you like? What ticks you off? I want to hear from you. Listener feedback means a lot. Almost means as much as what the program director wants. And don't forget you can download all our shows for podcasts anytime. TuneIn.com seems to be the best and easiest way to hook up with us. Or if you prefer Google Play, that seems to work too. LateNightCouncil.com. Stay with us. Monday and Tuesday, it's news. Often some pretty good guests, too. Wednesday, it's Ask the Pastor. Thursday nights, we repeat the Ask the Pastor broadcast from the night before. And then Friday night, well, we fool around on Friday. We give stuff away. We have fun, because that's what you're supposed to do on Friday. And if you miss any of the shows, well, that's what podcasts are for. 343 Seven hundred forty-three ninety. 4390. That's 343 700 4390. That is the Eastern Ontario and Western Quebec line, the whole capital region. And 1 562 That's long distance. 1 844 562 4766. Of course you can advertise on Late Night Council. In fact, the ad space is quickly getting claimed. Get in now while the rates are still low. Email me at jc at latenightcouncil.com for more details. Welcome back. Michael Brown uh, wrote uh, a brilliant article again, and this is more recent than the one that he wrote about uh, that, that we, you know, I, I highlighted. And um, it's out on the Late Night Council Facebook page as well. Usually, when I, do, I put an article out, I, you know, I only give you snippets of it, and I'm encouraging you to, you know, check this guy out. Puts out a lot of stuff. And uh, last week on Ask the Pastor, we were uh, uh, talking about uh, the Pope, who has come out and said that, you know, uh, confusing kids about gender is just terrible. And uh, using them to promote such an unproven and potentially, you know, harmful belief system when it comes to gender is, 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 in my opinion, it's child abuse. And Brown is really, really good at exposing the sheer idiocy of some of these you know, trends that are being forced upon us. And I mean, when it comes to transgenderism, if you don't call somebody by the gender of their choice, J- uh, Justin Trudeau wants to put you in jail for two years. That legislation is going to pass. You can't even offer advice to people to try and help them from another, you know, uh, perspective that possibly just possibly this gender thing that, you know, is supposed to be something that, you know, anybody can choose. It's not something you could choose. It's something. Well, biology proves it. Every cell in your body says you're either male or female. But even me pointing out a biological fact like that, I'm in, I'm in danger of going to prison because that's interpreted as genderphobic or whatever, you know, the new term is they have for it now. Well, Michael Brown's excellent for, you know, illustrating the absurd by being absurd. So here he goes. I'll give you a little bit of his article. We've heard it for years now. Love is love. I have the right to marry the one I love. Love wins. Well, if these slogans are true, why can't a mother marry her adult son? Why is that wrong? If two grown men or a grown woman can marry each other, why can't a grown mother and a son have consensual loving relationship? Isn't it bigoted and discriminatory to say that consensual homosexual love should be recognized by the law while consensual incestuous love is rightly criminalized? How can you support the one and condemn the other? Darn good question. And he's an American, so he's, you know, writing to an American audience. But culturally, you know, there's no difference between us and the Americans on this. It's true that most Americans are repulsed by the idea of a mother having an affair with her own son, rightly so. But not that long ago, Americans were repulsed by the idea of two men having a sexual and romantic relationship. Perhaps these are just deep-seated societal prejudices without rational bias, basis. Perhaps we need to get over our hang-ups, get on with the 21st century, embrace all loving, consensual adult relationships. Isn't it time for love to win? That is surely what the progressivists in our midst would argue. Not surprisingly, in December 2010, remember that's six years ago, when Columbia University professor David Epstein was arrested for a three-year consensual affair with his adult daughter, his attorney, Matthew Galuzzo, remarked, It's okay for homosexuals to do whatever they want in their own home. How is this so different? We have to figure out why some behavior is tolerated and some is not. Today we are faced with this very real headline. And he's not making this up. This is real. Mother, 36, and son, 19, who fell in love when they met last year after she gave him up for adoption as a baby, say they'll go to jail to defend their relationship. Hmm. And there's something very intense to that attraction they're experiencing, which is called GSA. They even got a term for it. Genetic sexual attraction, And which we are told, occurs when two adults who have been separated during the critical years of development and bonding and are reunited years later as adults, when they are finally reunited, they become captivated with one another, sharing similar physical features, likes and dislikes. What then gives society the right to tell this mother and son that their love is invalid? Indeed, that it should be criminalized and that they don't have the right to love whom they please. Hasn't the Obama administration told us repeatedly that we must not judge someone based on who they love? Why then doesn't this apply to a mother and a son? The fact is that the moment you start tampering with the fundamental definition of marriage you open a Pandora's box of dangerous possibilities. And the moment you use the love is love mantra to justify radical changes in the meaning of marriage, you open the door to gay thrupples. Why can't three people love each other the way two people do? As well as incestuous couples. As for progressive Christians, who are so eager to remove Leviticus 18 from their Bibles since Leviticus 18.22 flatly condemns homosexual practice, they need to remember that this chapter primarily forbids incestuous relationships. Consequently, if you remove it from your Bible, you have no scriptural basis for forbidding incest either. In particular, consensual adult incest. There are consequences with tampering with scripture, just as there are consequences with tampering with marriage. For several years now, Michael Brown has been documenting the growing acceptance of incest in America. And a couple of years ago, when he engaged in an online debate on the subject on the now defunct website, he was the only one of five participants to say that adult consensual incest should remain illegal. He writes, in support of my position, I quoted the wise words of G.K. Chesterton. Don't ever take down a fence until you know the reason why it was put up. And so we say to this mother and son, you might as well be experiencing the most in- you might as well be experiencing the most intense feelings you ever had for another individual and you might feel that your love is absolutely pure, but your relationship is not what God intended and as a society, we cannot condone it. The real question though is what will gay activists say? Will they be silent? lest they condemn their own consensual loving relationships? Or will they take a hypocritical stand and say, love is only love when it fits our particular parameters? They are damned if they do, and they're damned if they don't. But they cannot have it both ways. See, that's just one aspect of the whole same-sex marriage thing that these people have not thought out. They didn't think out the implications of where this is going. If you're going to open the door for marriage to be between, you know, and, and, and destroy the definition. It's been a male and female thing since the dawn of creation. If you're going to change the definition, then there's no reason to stop there. Marriages, I mean, polygamy, you have to sanction polygamy. You have to open the door to incest. You happen to open the door. If a guy wants to marry his dog, who are you to judge it? And you also have to open the door to pedophilia as well. Because we can't question any sexual preference. Because we're supposedly, what they teach and what they're teaching your kids at school, they're born that way. Oh, really? And where do you draw that line? And why do you draw it? What if my sexual preference is Great Danes. What if my sexual preference is Goats. What if? Please, I'm not trying to be extreme. A thriving, growing industry in Europe right now are bestiality brothels, where millionaires, you know, can go and practice safe sex that's approved by humane societies with animals. Oh, John, that just never. Are you kidding? That'll never happen. That's exactly what's. That's exactly where this is going. Because if marriage can be whatever you want it to be, and it doesn't depend on moral absolutes, then there are no moral absolutes. There's no restrictions whatsoever. And you know who suffers? You know who turns into mental basket cases? You know how, you know how society crumbles? The kids grow up so confused that the, by the time puberty hits, and by the time they're trying to live a normal life, a productive life, they can't. They can't hold it together. Because they've been taught since they're kids that sex is just an act when it's so much more than that. It goes down to the core and the fiber of your being. And they don't know why they can't hold their mental health together. Because one of the foundations of their mental health has been eroded to the point where they don't even know who they are. And Justin Trudeau says, i got to celebrate the fact that adults have engaged in child abuse, making the grand marshal of the gay pride parade a ten year- old boy whose mother insists that you know that yeah he's been a girl that he always wants to be a girl in a society that underdo moral absolutes they would put that mother away for for child abuse they would using children as pawns to wreak moral and 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 societal havoc three four three seven hundred forty three ninety got one segment left to impact the world folks 343-700-4390 and if you're calling from Oil Springs Ontario it's about 10 miles from where my brother was born you're calling from Tongan Arkansas Fort Resolution Northwest Territories or BB Town Iowa 1844- 562 4766. 6. That's 1 4, 4, 562 4766. 6. If you want to send me an email, you got to send it right now. Right now. Right. There's no way it's getting on the air. JC at latenightcouncil.com and tweet at me at JWCouncil. We're back after this. Stay with us.
1: Chemo's 2000 Mobile Auto Cleaning comes right to your driveway and makes your vehicle look brand new again. Classic cars, bikes, boats, RVs, dump trucks, hot rods, tractors, transport trucks. We can even make your minivan look like the day you drove it off the lot. Did you spill too much coffee on your seat? Did Junior decide he couldn't wait till he got home? And yuck, maybe you're just long overdue for that meticulous cleaning. Maybe you want to sell the old beast. Smartest thing you can do is make it look brand new.
3: Summertime is here, and it's time to cool off with your friends at Menchie's Frozen Yogurt. We feature 12 flavors of frozen yogurt daily, with a choice of over 55 delicious toppings to choose from. The combinations are endless. Chill out with our new fresh yogurt fruit smoothies, or be the hero at your next backyard barbecue or burger. Birthday celebration! When you serve up our exquisite frozen yogurt cake to your family and friends, visit us at 80 George Street in the Byward Market and 3091 Strandherd Drive in Barhaven. Menchie's Frozen Yogurt. We make you smile.
1: Who's that man? Makes shawarma taste like no one can. a
3: garlic king.
1: And he can
2: do anything. A crown, golden shoes, and a royal gown The Garlic King So tasty Man, this food is so good
3: Don't talk with your mouth food I'm just talking about the king
2: And I can dig it Discover why Really Lebanese is Ottawa's best shawarma Really Lebanese, home of the Garlic King St. Joseph Boulevard
1: beside Pizza Hut in Orleans
3: Garlic, I love it
2: Again, we repeat this uh, entire broadcast tomorrow night between 9 and 11. And uh, that we're not going to be doing that, you know, like uh, all the time. We've got some incredible plans for the Thursday night show. Keep tuned in and keep listening to those information interludes because we update them. I know a lot of you know that... You know what I'm going to say already. You probably got some of them you got it memorized by now. But as things develop, that's where we're going to let you know what's going on. And, uh, and of course I'll be talking about it as well. And stay in touch via email. You know, email's not just for the show. You know, that's the that's my email address now, JC at late Love the interaction. 343 700 4390 If you want to squeeze in a call before we have to say nighty night, and 184-562-4766- we seem to always save the best for the last. His calls are always good. I don't mean to put pressure on him, but here he is again. Mike's on the air. How you doing, Mike?
0: I'm good, John. I have what do you got to share with us doc- tonight? Well, I've got my own answer for Dr. Brown's question about uh, Donald Trump and Hillary.
2: Do you think it's God's judgment? Believe,
0: no. I do not believe God—well, let me put it this way. I do not believe God raises up bad people to use i believe god uses people who chose to be bad to serve his purpose but i do not believe just like he doesn't tempt us i do not believe god raises us to be sinful i don't no, think I know i know that but
2: he did all. use a wicked king like nebuchadnezzar to judge israel okay right but and and, and ahab and ahab and faith. jezebel I mean, ahab and jezebel they were the product of a wicked culture that it turned its back on god and you know they did not rise up where, against them
0: Right. So God didn't raise them up. I believe that we rose them up or or that they're I believe that Hillary and Trump are both a perfect reflection of everything we are. Everything that's wrong with our society today. They are the embodiment of all of it. And I think that I, totally I would totally agree with you.
2: I would totally agree with you.
1: perfect mirror. It's
2: may, a maybe maybe Mike you're us. hitting on to something. Maybe people are realizing just how, you know, pathetic we are as a culture that this is what they've produced and here in Canada as well. Yeah. Although in Canada, people don't be seem to be people could care less in Canada. They don't care about their individual rights. They don't care about their money being wasted. Nope. They don't care one tenth as much as as you know, it seems you know more Americans do.
0: And yet look at the the terrible leadership we have here as well. And in all parties, they've all been just brutal. Yeah, but
2: most just Canadians brutal. most Canadians wouldn't even agree with you and I on that, Mike. Most no, Canadians, I mean, I mean, uh, we've got a prime minister now that's got higher approval ratings than any prime minister. It. You got to go back to his dad. That's how far yeah, back it, you got to go.
0: World. He appeals to the world.
2: Well, I he know appeals to worldliness. But what I'm so saying I mean, is, what I'm saying is, you, you've yeah. got writer after writer after writer in the states saying this is unbelievable. This election is insane, and yet our leadership here in Canada. I would suggest is even worse than either, than both of them, okay? And yet, nobody in Canada is saying how, how, how pathetic, uh, you know, the leadership is here.
0: That's true, but a lot of the people in the States, they're, they're I don't know, I, I, I don't know, that that kind of goes off on a tangent, but I, I do think that God does offer, he does raise people up as an alternative, and I do believe that's especially before judgment is coming. Just like Jonah was there to save Nineveh, well, I think he's already uh, done that. And though, jo- and Jonah also was was offered opportunities to save himself.
2: I think he's already. He I think God's al- as far as America's concerned, and I could be wrong. I think he's already done that, and I think the yeah, culture. Oh yeah. I think America's flunked the test, and they rejected him. Yeah, I think judgment's coming. Him.
0: I totally agree. Yeah, I totally agree. I want to uh, channel. Uh, Ronald Reagan as a a sharp contrast with Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, both of whom I feel are wholly unfit for office. And if I was an American, as many will be doing, I would reject both of them on any ballot. I would vote my conscience. I would vote. I would do a write-in or whatever I could legally to do, but I would not support either one of them. And I would accept whatever consequences come from that. I want to read uh, – this is from a uh, a speech that was given by Ronald Reagan. I'm not going to read it super fast just because he was extremely reverent when he said this. And and it was probably one of the most beautiful speeches I think I've ever heard Reagan give. I almost had a tear in my eye. It was so amazing. Now, you heard this speech – hold it,
2: Mike. You heard this speech long after he died because oh, because yeah, yeah. I mean it's I have a good idea I have a good idea how old you are and when he was the presidency yep. you would have been in high school so the first time you heard tell me the first time you heard this speech or you read this speech when was it yesterday yesterday so you're a yep. bit of a you're a bit of a Reagan historian you found this historical figure that you're fascinated with that you're that you're impressed with and it seems yep. that the more you find out about him the more you like him
0: well, let me read this, and, I'll, and you just see what you think. Well, go for it. This is So this is a speech from, uh, I don't know, when he was president, and it's just a brief part of it. He says, I've always believed that we were put here for a reason, that there is a path, somehow a divine plan for all of us and for each one of us. And I've also always believed that America was set apart in a special way, that it was put here between the oceans to be found by a certain kind of people based on a quality that these people had, but that they came from every corner of the world. And a country then was created by men and women who came not for gold, but mainly in search of God. They would be free people living under the law with faith in their maker and in their future. It's been written that the most sublime figure in American history was George Washington, on his knees in the snow at Valley Forge. He personified a people who knew that it was not enough to depend on their own courage and goodness, that they must also seek help from God, their Father and Preserver. Where did we begin to lose sight of that noble beginning of our conviction that standards of right and wrong do exist and must be lived up to? Do we really think that we can have it both ways—that God will protect us in a time of crisis, even as we turn away from Him in our day-to-day life?
2: Man, he sounds like a preacher. It's time,
0: it's time to realize, I think, that we need God more than He needs us.
2: What year is that speech?
0: I, I wished I knew. I don't because know. He, somebody, was, somebody
2: he was he was he was president. He was president from '80 80 to '88. But I'd yep. really like to know if you could get a hold of the date of that speech, because that man—he sounds, yeah, like sounds like he's—that sounds like he's—that he's, sounds like he's preaching from my pulpit.
0: Now, how different is that to what you hear out of the, the, the circus of this election? Oh, I know, candidates? I know. And and, and I mean that—that's why I believe that it's But a, it's but but a Mike, valid... Mike,
2: we've had this discussion before. Think about it. Yep. If a candidate did say that. He'd be shouted down by the forces of political correctness. The media would eat him alive. He would be he would be painted as some type of xenophobic, hate-mongering, you know, religious zealot. He
0: well, would. Let me segue with that into a, a previous speech given by Reagan, one that is most famous. Uh, he started off well, I'm going to start his portion off by him quoting Alexander Hamilton, another one of the founding fathers and uh, writers of the Federalist Papers, Ham- Alexander Hamilton said, a nation which can prefer disgrace to danger is prepared for a master and deserves one. And Reagan goes on to say, you and, I, you, and I, uh, uh, you and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the Pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross, should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard around the world, the martyrs of history were not fools. He says, you and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay, there is a point beyond which there must not be an advance. So, I mean, he is, he was talking about communism at that time, but I mean, he's also talking about an ideal He's talking about standing for something there, principles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I mean, that's what the Bible is ultimately teaching us, isn't it? I mean, again, the, the, the martyrs of the Bible were not wound up being martyrs because uh, Daniel was saved from the lion. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they did not bow to the king and defy God. Yeah, but you've got to
2: remember something, Mike. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, those guys were the exceptions. They were not the norm. Nebuchadnezzar, no, and, and Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar yeah, Nebuchadnezzar uh, you know initiate wholesale slaughter of, of the Israeli nation, okay?
0: Jesus promised us that if we want to follow him, we have to be willing to pick up our cross. That's not just a burden or a tough a tough day no, that I we're going to face. The cross was he means it in the fullest sense. Oh yeah. And everyone who followed him, they were all all of the disciples for the exception of John who survived uh, uh, his, but he was what? Boiled in oil? Or he
2: something? was boiled he in oil, and he it. survived it. But every other disciple died a died a horrible martyr's death. Thomas was shish kebabbed by a shear in India, uh, by a spear in India. Yep. Uh, Peter was uh, crucified, uh, you know, uh, uh, head down. Paul was beheaded. You know, you go down the list, and, and I, I, you know, I've seen the list of how each one of them died. Every one of them died a, you know, a, a, died before their time, and and were martyred, were murdered for their faith.
0: But think about where would we be were it not for them carrying Christ's message? Where would we be were it not for Christ sacrificing Himself for us? Where would we be? Just as Reagan said, I, I agree with him when he says the martyrs of history were not fools. There are some things if you're you have to be willing to lose your life to find it.
2: Interesting. Romans one says you know of you know people that have turned their back on God, professing to be wise, they became fools. Good way to end the broadcast, Mike. Always love your calls. We repeat this broadcast tomorrow night in this time slot. And then on Friday night, we're going to be fooling around, having fun again. Boy, we've been goofing out. We've been having a blast on Friday night. you got to tune in on Friday night. It's a ton of fun. We give away stuff and have a blast. Have a decent evening. Good night.